Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Woman podcast. Every two weeks, we'll post a podcast version of one of our free training videos, but you can access them now at beyondordinarywomen.org. This episode or series includes downloadable information on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Go to resources on the main menu and click on podcast slash video extras. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Welcome to this video podcast on reimagining discipleship. This is part of a series where we're talking to various people about discipleship, about ways that discipleship could be improved. The reason we're doing this is because I am just concerned about what I see in the American church and the lack of disciples and the way that people who call themselves disciples are treating each other or interacting with each other and the way that the church is fractured. So I've invited Susan because Susan is a missionary. She has been in South Africa now since 1988 with team along with her husband, Eric, and they work at the Union Bible Institute there. So welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Kay. Well, as we start, I know that you work in a very different culture. And one reason that I felt like it would be profitable to speak to you is that I think different cultures approach discipleship a little bit differently because of the culture. And sometimes our culture can hamper us in really following Jesus as a disciple as we should. So it's just good to get insight from the way that Christians in other lands are trained as disciples or grown up as disciples, however you want to describe it. So before we get into Africa and all that, um, how would you define discipleship? Okay, that's a great question. I think I would say a disciple, discipleship is making, developing Christ followers, developing people who look like Jesus, who act like Jesus and love Jesus with all their heart. So that's like they have the character of Christ, but they also are themselves living like Christ lived and doing what Christ did. And that includes making disciples. So discipler is a disciple maker. So that's what we would like to produce when we do discipleship. Well, tell us a little bit about the work that you do in South Africa as far as discipleship is concerned. Okay. Well, my husband and I teach at the Union Bible Institute. It's a primarily Isisulu-speaking group of people, but we do have some English speakers as well. Uh, So the African culture influences a lot of what happens there. And I teach a little bit, but I also am involved in mentoring students and praying with students. We have small groups that we work with. So there's a lot of different ways that we disciple students. They're inside, but also outside of the classroom. Right. Um, You and I talked a little bit previously about the communal nature of the culture in Africa. And I saw that myself when I was in Africa on a couple of mission trips. Would you maybe describe what a communal culture looks like? What does that mean? Sure. I think that in our context, it means that people identify 
as a group more than as an individual. And so even in greetings, you don't say, how are you singular? It, it comes at how are you all? And so when you ask someone, you're asking about their family, they don't stand alone. They're going to tell you about their parents and their kids and everything when you ask, how are you? And so it starts there. And I think that, you know, the students pray together as a group spontaneously throughout the week. Uh, they want to be together in worship. Churches generally are the same. They probably have more meetings in a week than, than a North American could tolerate because they would rather be worshiping together. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, you know, it occurs to me that the church is meant to be a communal. I mean, community is what a church is. A the church is the gathering of people. It yeah. is, that's what the word means. And the letters are written to churches by and large, or even groups of churches rather than individuals. Very seldom is a letter written to individual. So, so many of the commands that we read in the scripture, the commands that Paul gives or Peter gives are actually designed for a church or a group of churches to read and implement in their church. And that's not exactly the way that Americans think very much. It's sort of how, what am I supposed to do with this? And often it should be, what are we supposed to do with this? And how do I interact with others to make this happen? That's so true. I, I agree with that, yeah. So tell me how your small groups go. Tell me, tell me something about the nature of what that looks like. Because you said they're very communal. They want to be together. Uh, but what does that time look like when you spend time with your small group making disciples? That's a... That's a, also an interesting question because it's influenced to some degree by some things we learned when we were here in the States a few years ago about process groups. And those are groups where you meet together actually for mutual encouragement and discipleship. Sometimes when we pray together, this one shares a prayer request, then that one shares a prayer request, and the other one shares a prayer request. And at the end, we just, we just pray without any empathetic interaction. And so we took that little piece that we learned from being here in the States back to our small groups in South Africa. And so when we get together, we always pray. That's one thing that always happens. And it's interesting that in the States, we've been in a lot of small groups that you could go, you could, you may pray for the meal, but after that, it's just talking and fellowship and and then we say goodbye. And uh, I think Africans will never miss an opportunity to pray. So, so certainly one thing that always happens is, is people share their concerns and then uh, we pray for those. And the one thing we've piece we've added, I think, is before we move on to the next one, we ask anyone in the group, how do you, how do you hear that? How do you feel about it? What can we say to encourage this person? And we ask them, what do you need from us? So try to get a little empathetic interaction along with it. So we pray, we, we share scripture, we ask the students because they're in class all the time. They're always getting the Bible and you can, you don't want it to stop here. You want it to go on down to their hearts. And so then we'll ask them, okay, so what is God teaching you this week? 
And what are you going to do about it? And so the students do share from their hearts about that. And then we're, I write it in a book. And the next time we meet, we ask, you know, okay, so how's that going with you? And the other students also get on that bandwagon and, and hold one another accountable for the things that they've said that they, um, those little steps they want to be taking to be obedient Christ followers. Yeah, I love that. I think at least from my experience in my life, I have been in very few situations where people are holding me accountable. You know, I might share what God is is saying to me, but that doesn't mean anybody ever follows up Mm. with, with what I tell them to see how that's going. I can think of one small group that I was in that was a little bit more focused on spiritual formation, which I believe is discipleship as well. And it was probably the best group I've ever been in as far as accountability, as far as following up, because we all have great, great motives, you know, God's speaking to me, this is, this is something I need to do. But unless other people are holding us accountable, it's just really easy to walk out the door and never implement those things. It, it seems like the fact that that it's a communal culture, maybe that's accepted better than it would be here. You know, I, I can think of some groups I've been in that nobody would want you to follow up unless you had given them a prayer request about something, that that's the only follow-up later. I don't know. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I think none of us really are, are naturally inclined to this thing of being held accountable. I think all cultures are the same in that. And, um, but I think that because the, the African culture is communal, maybe it's, it is more acceptable to sit as a group rather than maybe one-on-one off to the side somewhere where you might possibly share with an individual mentor or pastor about something. Maybe they're, they're much more free maybe to, to share things publicly and in a group. The more people praying for you, the better. It, it's and so you would want many people to know your situation, pray for you, and and that would include, I think, the spiritual formation piece. People are sincerely, sincerely God dependent and understand their need for for Him to act through His Holy Spirit in their lives. And I think you know, in the American church, we 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 say that we all know it in our heads that we're dependent on God, but we seem to be able, and I'm certainly, I'm certainly guilty of this, able to make it pretty well without, without acknowledging that and without feeling so God dependent that it, it forces us to prayer and it forces us to open up to other people and ask for prayer about that. Sure. I think Americans in particular are pretty individualistic. And so if we can handle it, we're just going to handle it. We don't want to ask anybody else for help because we shouldn't, we shouldn't. I mean, it's almost like that's, it's a value to be independent and it's, it's a bad thing to be dependent. And yet I think biblically we're all meant to be dependent, not only on God, but on each other. I think that's what the new Testament is trying to teach us. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what we're doing when we meet throughout the week and on Sundays is we're expressing our dependence on God and each other. It's a vertical and horizontal 
right. relationship. And, and of course, you know, Hebrews tells us to not forsake the gathering of one with one another that that isn't necessarily supposed to be where I go and sit at a worship service and never really talk to anybody, but I just gather with people. I think there's a whole lot more to it. Right. Yeah. And there's a spiritual aspect that I think we sometimes ignore. I think, and especially in light of COVID, when we've all got used to watching church online, do we really have to get together? Is it really important to be in the same room with other people? And one thing that we saw through the COVID period at our school, there was a, there was a term when we didn't meet at all. But then when we were able to meet again in classrooms, they had to be 1.5 meters apart at all times, wearing masks. You couldn't see people's faces. We still don't know what the first and second year students look like because we haven't seen their faces. And the students who always used to meet for prayer every single morning at 5 a.m. couldn't meet. They suspended all worship services so that people were just going to class and going back to their rooms and studying. And so over time, we began to sense a real, there was an oppression, there was a, a thirst there. I don't know how to describe it, but one of the students said, COVID is of the devil. It's an evil thing because it separates us. And she saw that as one of the key bad things about COVID, not that it's making people sick and they're dying, but that it's separating people. It's separating them physically so that we couldn't meet for prayer. We couldn't encourage one another. We couldn't see one another, give each other, we can't even touch each other. And she really felt that that was a serious evil. And actually after that time, we decided no, enough's enough. We think we need to be praying and we need to find ways to worship. We need to get back in the same room somehow to reestablish that spiritual connection with one another. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing has happened here, although for many people, it probably hasn't changed that much because they weren't necessarily connecting that well with other Christians anyway. And so by being at home, it's just made it normal Mm. to be away. I mean, you know, we were away for quite a long time because of our age and being high risk. And it was, it was a little scary to go back at first and it felt very different to be there in person, but there is, there is something about, about the gathering of the body of Christ and being together and not just sitting there as individuals, but being part of that community that you just can't do virtually. Right. That's so true. It really is. When we spoke, we talked a little bit, you mentioned some of the attitudes and and you've already mentioned it a little bit here, individualism, but some attitudes that we have generally in the United States that make it a little bit harder to develop the kind of community that you're talking about is common to Africa and and individualism was one of that. One of those, I think you mentioned just ease. We, we just wanted to be comfortable and, and at ease, which also probably goes back to the, it's a much easier to do church online than it is to actually go. And that might be part of the reason that we've had such a high percentage of people 
in the United States who have not gone back at all, despite the fact that they're vaccinated and that the numbers are down. And, you know, just that autonomy that we're, we're able to handle things as we, as we just discussed. Do you have any thoughts about how we can develop more of a communal feeling in our churches or in our small groups or just, just with people that we know? How do we and our friends maybe grow in this area of caring better for one another, not just praying for specific requests, but following up and asking how God's dealing with them. Do you have any suggestions for that? Well, I think that it starts with leadership. So it starts with, I think all of us have influence. So influence is leadership. I think that's part of your, your ministry. And so I think whatever group we're a part of, whatever relationships we're in, we can take a step toward that and and be the vulnerable one, be the one to say, oh, that must have been really rough. Can you tell us more about that? To just take a little step toward being uh, going just a little bit below the surface and see if people are willing to go with you there. And, and what I've noticed in groups where we've done that is that other people follow the example if I say in a group of people, when someone shares, wow, that must have been tough. When I hear your story, I feel really sad. Or when I hear your story, I feel really angry. Um, just to give a little response to what they're saying, or, or how can we pray for you? Or what do you need from us? If you get some of those phrases into your vocabulary, the vocabulary of your group, I've been amazed to see how others will follow. It's not always me that has to be saying that. I now hear someone sitting next to me asking the person those same kinds of questions. So I think if we take the step, if we're willing to be vulnerable and share a little deeper and also probe a little deeper, not be afraid to do that, I think I think that it, it can quickly shift the, the, the tenor of a group to being more significant. I think another thing is in the, in the African community is very programmed. So when you get together, there's always a beginning and an end and a middle. There's always an MC that even birthday parties will have an MC and sing a few songs and have a, a little word of the Lord somewhere in the middle. And um, there's just a lot more of that in the culture, in the Christian culture. And I think we could do with a little bit more of that, just recognizing our God dependence and his presence in our lives, even in ordinary situations. And let us not have a, a small group of believers who are meeting for, for coffee or for a meal that, that leave without praying for one another, that leave without at least saying, okay, guys, let's get together and hear how each other are doing, how our walk is. Let, let's be sure that it's, a, it's truly a spiritual, let's not miss that opportunity. Make sure it's a spiritual event as well as a, as, as a warm fellowshipy kind of event. Yeah. Yeah, those are great suggestions. Those are really good. Do you have any other 
thoughts just in general, you know, you're, you don't spend a lot of time here in the United States, but I know you have family here. You know what's going on. I'm sure you follow things. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to add? Well, I think, you know, it's been a really rough couple of years for the church worldwide. We really have been saddened to the, the degree to which the, the church in the United States has become so divided, divided because of politics, divided because of are we going to wear masks or not? Things that I don't find anywhere in scripture as being matters of conscience that call you to separate. And, and I, I think that if numbers are down, maybe people are tired of the games that Christians are playing. Uh, there's no, where is that unity of the body of Christ? What, what does Jesus think about this? I've, we've, it's been really, a, it's really been a bit of a sad thing for us to see. And so I think that if we can get back to thinking of a disciple is somebody who loves Jesus more than anything and keep, keep our hearts there and our hearts with our brothers and sisters in Christ being the church that right now the world needs hope and we're busy with this infighting and we're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel of hope in a world that really desperately needs it. And we're, arguing about things that absolutely don't matter at all in the eternal perspective of the kingdom of Christ. And so I think I would, I would really wish for that. Uh, yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Good preaching sister. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and those are the, those are the things that have concerned me so deeply that I'm you know, wanted to have these conversations about reimagining discipleship, because if we're putting that, if we're, if we're making those things so important that we have to divide from our fellow bro brothers and sisters in Christ or, or decide that they're not brothers and sisters over some of these things, then something's wrong from, from the whole discipleship level, because we've missed something that's extremely important, which is we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're not supposed to be so concerned about these other things. We're supposed to be seeking his kingdom over all things instead of power and winning at all costs. So I really appreciate you saying that. And I must, you know, I must say that that attitude is, is far too rare in the United States. We're, we're just so caught up in it. And I'm, I'm sad with you. I'm sad with you over it. Well, thank you, Susan, for joining us. I'm just personally so excited that you were here in the United States and we were able to do a Zoom easily and that you were able to find the time to give us for this. We appreciate it so much. And we pray well, for you and Eric in Africa and your ministry there. It's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank you. And it's been a privilege to be a part of this ministry. I think one thing I failed to say earlier is that uh, we've used your materials. I've used them with the women as I disciple them there in South Africa, the students and, and even short-termers who've come to work uh, in our mission. And I felt like the 
developing the influence by knowing your calling, getting your gifts and your burdens and finding those opportunities and getting your sweet spot in ministry, sweet spot in leadership and influence has been really helpful to a lot of people, myself included. And so we appreciate the ministry very much. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it today. Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words and that encouragement. It's always nice to hear encouraging words. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.